Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, everybody, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Mental Health Comedy. Uh, I'm Ed Krasnick. My emotions are on a sliding scale. Uh, my co-host is Jennifer Kalari. Jennifer is a child and family therapist who has an amazing organization, teaches all kinds of resilient skills, all kinds of classes, all kinds of podcasts and media about mental health, about resilience, about emotional well-being. And you can find all that at Connected Parenting. That's like just like the word sounds, connectedparenting.com. There's a lot to talk about on today's show, but we have one of my favorite people in the world. He's been such a good friend to me, and he's a good friend to a lot of people. One of the most philanthropic, generous, creative people, Phil Rosenthal, who has a great show on Netflix called Somebody Feed Phil, where he travels around the world, connects with people, with communities all over the world, and the food that he eats. And we're going to find out a lot about where this comes from, this love of, of food and specifically lunch and how that has affected his mental health and well-being and the way he's able to find it. He's, he's a unique person, also the creator of a show called Everybody Loves Raymond. Before we even start today, this is something I have never heard about before. Always in mental health, I'm hearing about new things that I should know about my own brain. And one of them is the reticular activity, activity activation system. system. Yeah. The reticular activation system in your brain and what that does. It's a filter that actually filters the billions of thoughts that come from your subconscious and figures out which ones are going to be filtered to go into your consciousness. Mm -hmm. It sounds very woo-woo, but this is something that actually can be worked with and, and that can change your mental state. Mm -hmm. it, can it will change your mental state. We always welcome people. We welcome listeners wherever you're at emotionally. Here are some emotional shout outs for you. If you watch shows about murder before going to sleep and you wonder why you wake up feeling like you've been murdered, welcome. If you're talking to Alexa more than your family, welcome. If you've used the phrase, I'm going out to get some air, and then realize that now means going in the other room, welcome. If you think that the word kind is a snack bar, welcome. If you think the theory of relativity is based on how you deal with your relatives, welcome. If you haven't worn pants in the last six months, if you're yelling at a couple because they picked a house you didn't agree with on HGTV, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on Mental Health Comedy. Today's show is brought to you by the new resume service, Res Your Way. Res Your Way is the new app that personalizes your resume, including your likes, dislikes, and your emotional history. We have many templates to help you get by the robots at ZipRecruiter and Indeed. Now you can choose how creative you want to be and how personal. You can include important life skills like calming yourself down and knowing your way around depression and other things, and special skills like you can do a 12-minute downward dog. Choose from a style of hundreds of templates such as Dr. Seuss, Stephen King, Wonder Woman, and Tiger King, and so much more. Isn't it time to give credit where credit's due? Now you can, with Reds Your Way. 
Okay, Jennifer, I have to ask you about this reticular mm-hmm. activating system. What mm-hmm. in the hell is it and why haven't we learned about it? Uh, you know what? I, I don't know why we haven't learned about it, but it's, it's actually a really important thing to understand about your brain. So basically, we the brain is bombarded with billions and billions of bits of information every second, right? Everything from temperature to what's going on around you, voices, background noise, everything. It's all coming in. It's just a lot. Everything is data. Everything is information. And it can overwhelm the brain. And if we paid attention to all of it, we'd fall over. So what the brain does is it screens it out. It's like a neural net. And it just screens out the things that we don't need to pay attention to and causes us to pay attention to things we do want to pay attention to. We have a certain bandwidth that we pay attention to in in reality. So in your body, there's all kinds of things going on all the time. You're regulating your temperature, you're regulating your heartbeat, you're breathing, your eyes are dilating, there's, there's the sounds of language, there's the meaning, they're filtering through everything you understand about that word. There's so much going on that you you can't your brain can't manage all that. So your brain tags certain things. This is very tied into your belief systems. So what you believe gets tagged, just like you tag something on Google. So one experiment you can do right now, all of us can try this, wherever you are, look around and start to pay attention to everything that you can see that's red. Pay attention to it. Try to remember it. Now close your eyes and now try to think of all the things that were blue. And you probably won't be able to remember anything that was blue because you were focused on red. And that's kind of how the brain works. Everyone's mad at me. You know, I'm never going to be able to do this. Uh, I'm really good at this. Or I'm really bad at this. Whatever we tag then shows up in the world for us. The other things do too, but our brain is just, it's a focusing mechanism, essentially. And you can work with this. And the way you work with it, you can practice focusing. You can practice imagining. You can practice visualizing and the feeling that goes along with those things, with mm-hmm. those thoughts. Absolutely. And here's the thing that's interesting. And and sometimes, I mean, obviously there are real coincidences, but sometimes things aren't coincidences. It's just your brain is now paying attention to it. So a really good example is let's say somebody says to you, oh, you got to read this new book. It's amazing. And you haven't heard about it. Well, now that it's been tagged, now that it's been brought into your awareness, you'll see somebody reading it on a park bench, or you'll see a bus go by with an ad for the book on it, or you'll hear somebody talking about it at lunch, or a friend will say, oh my God, I'm reading this book. It, it was always there. It was just lost in the kind of background data and information. So once things are tagged, once things are relevant, it gets brought into your consciousness. So you want to start thinking about what am I tagging? So let's say you're a parent and you have a kid who's really difficult and you you have tagged, that kid never listens to me. He always does this or he never does that, whatever. That's the tag. That's now brought into your awareness. And that is what your brain is going to notice all day long. But I bet you that kid has a bunch of times during the day when he's actually been really sweet or when he did listen or when he didn't yell back when you asked him to do everything, anything. But the brain hasn't tagged that. So it's not going to be experienced, even though it's actually happening. So using that lens and tagging different things is really important. So let's say you think, um, I have the worst luck. Nothing ever works out the way I want it to. Your brain is tagging that now. And it's going to find everything all day long that didn't work. Jennifer, if somebody's listening now and they're thinking a thought like, I don't have an income, I don't have any money, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, and mm-hmm. I'm really worried, mm-hmm. and we have COVID, how do they work with the RES and what do they do? So the first thing is to be aware of your thoughts and be aware of what you've tagged. So what you've tagged there is lack, scarcity, and a need to hang on to things because you'll even lose what you have. 
that now becomes part of the reticular activation system. And all day long, your brain is going to search that out and it's going to pull it out of the field of all of that infinite amount of data. And it's going to make you notice, oh, see, again, again, I didn't have that. And again, I lost that. Or again, that didn't show up in my life. And so that becomes kind of the foundation of our reality. So the first thing to do is to wake up and decide, I'm going to tag something else today. I'm going to tag where I have abundance, where I actually have things work out for me, where I actually have a lot of something. And and immediately people think, well, where? How do I have that? But you can find it all day long. You can find it in air. You can find it with the water that comes out of your tap. You can find it in how many clothes you have in your closet. Wherever you are, you can find evidence of some abundance. It might be love. It might be the love of your pet. Um, it might be some beautiful flowers in the in the park near your house. Set your reticular activation to look for abundance, to look for freedom, to look for where you have a lot of things and where things actually work out. Go through your day and you're like, oh, that's crazy. I actually got a parking spot. I didn't think I would. Oh, they, there was one more can of whatever that I was looking for. And usually they don't. Like start looking for where it shows up. And it sounds so incredibly simple. But this very simple exercise really changes how you orient yourself in time and space and what your brain starts to experience. Because it's really just a lens. It depends where you, what you're looking through. It's all perspective. Right. We can do it. And it's called your reticular activation system. Activation system. And, and you made a really good point that I want people to really take in. And that's don't just notice it, feel it. Like, Wow. I just got that parking spot or wow, there's like slightly more money in my bank account than I thought or whatever it is, however small, it doesn't matter how small the midbrain doesn't care. If you've experienced something in a positive way and you've allowed it to kind of resonate through your body, just like a tuning fork, if you, if you tap a tuning fork and there's another tuning fork nearby, it's going to start to vibrate in resonance with the other tuning fork and you never touched it. Really. It's all about feelings. And vibration, really. I mean, it sounds corny, but that's actually quantum physics. That's how it works. It's science, people. We're blinding you with science, <laughs> but it's true. It's absolutely true. I want to bring in our guest. You're going to have a great time. Just a very creative, very interesting person to talk to about mental health because he has some very clear things that he does to take care of himself. And he's created some, just some great shows. Like Everybody Loves Raymond for so many years, amazing characters. And like the new show, it's called Somebody Feed Phil. And it is a show that will make you feel great. It's like a goodwill ambassador traveling around the world, eating having fun, being funny, and connecting with other people. Community and food is something that's always been a theme in his life. I want to welcome Phil Rosenthal. Phil, such a pleasure to have you here. Oh, my God. I think that what you do inside your head these days, it is so important the way you talk to yourself in your head because what's going on outside you is crazy. That's right. You know, I learned... If the world is going to be a variable, right, you have to be the constant. I love that. Because we can't control what's outside, what's coming at us, but we can control how we react to it, how we take it, and who we are. So if you are that constant in life, then you're always home. In today's world, there is something that's a mental diet. You can think of it this way, and it's what you put into your head. Yes. You can watch murder shows. I'm not saying don't watch like Breaking Bad, 
but I'm saying leaven it with other things, like a show that makes you feel good about being alive. Oh, you gotta. Yeah, I mean, like, I, so I feel about the news. Mm-hmm. We're drawn to it because it's so dire, and we think it's important that we follow every second. But, you know, you, it's, it's not healthy because... They want you to be afraid. That's how they keep you. If, if you turned on and they, and they said everything's okay... Don't have to worry for the next two hours. You wouldn't watch for the next two hours. <laughs> True. But if you turn it on and they say, breaking news, this is happening and this is happening. And just when you thought they couldn't go lower, they went lower. Yeah, it's true. Look, I've known you for a long time. This way that you're living now, this is something that's taken some practice. How did you come to this? And, and what do you do for yourself because you strike me as somebody who probably comes from a similar background as I do, where we run anxious. Oh, I run anxious, too. What you see on the show is the best version of who I try to be. A lot of it is because I'm on television. I've tried to, and the show has helped me, be more that guy that you see. The happy, hungry man. <laughs> the curious, the secure, the trying to have fun, the showing you what's fun in life. And I have to take my own advice. And so I try to do that. Now, I was somewhat that way before because, you know, I wouldn't have the show otherwise. They tend to cast with people that, that they want to project on there, right? So I think I've right. always been somewhat happy. I've had no horrible tragedy in my life. I've had the ups and downs like everybody else. I get depressed like everybody else. But I also have taken many steps in my life to ameliorate that, to, to find what's good, to find what makes you feel better that's good for you, right? One thing is lunch with friends. Very simple, lunch. Find a lunch every day because the lunch is the tentpole in your day. And if we're writing a sitcom script, all the action of the first act rises to the act break, the middle of the show, and all the action is going to fall from it in the second act. So it's this tentpole in the middle of the day. It's lunch, people. I love this. <laughs> and it's not just the meal. It's who it's going to be with. It's exciting. So I'm telling you, this is the practical thing that I love in life is where's lunch? I even named my production company after I love that. it. Within that, you've said a couple things. Who's going to be there? Yeah. You want to be around people who are not going to bring you down. There is a chance, right, that you're going to meet someone new and have lunch with them and be completely bummed out. It's okay. There'll be another lunch tomorrow. So, yes, we have setbacks. By the way, sometimes I like lunch by myself. I just want to sit there and make a couple of hot dogs and sit in front of the TV and eat my hot dogs. I've loved that since I would go home for lunch from high school. Every Friday, I would make in the toaster oven, I would make my hot dogs, and I would eat alone. Yes, these little habits that we like, that we just enjoy ourselves, that we want to enjoy by ourselves, that's okay too. I don't know. It's a connection to childhood. Is it? Is it just a nice thing that I, I do that I'm, I'm not especially, uh, uh, don't need to share with other people because it's not like... I'm going to meet a fan of hot dogs who loves the way I make them. <laughs> I must share that with them. This is no, this is for me. I like this. 
Same with a bowl of cereal. I wouldn't, Ed, I wouldn't invite you over. Hey, you're going to have my famous bowl of cereal. <laughs> right? Yeah. I used to tell the kids when I would make them breakfast, this is daddy's famous bowl of cereal. You won't believe how good it is. And they would be, daddy's famous, or daddy's famous eggs, or daddy's famous tuna fish. The simplest crap that I could make. I made an event for them, and they still uh, make fun of me. Remember, you tried just to try to fool us with your famous crap? <laughs> I love it. It's famous, Phil. You're talking about feeding yourself emotionally and physically. You're eating something, but you're making something that feels good. And you're talking about community. You're talking about connection to other people. Phil has these movie nights at his house where people come and they eat and they watch a movie. And I have to tell you, you probably have saved my life on more than one occasion. You're talking about community. You're talking about people eat and they talk and you hear the music of conversation in the kitchen. Why is the quality of these conversations so high? And it's because we're doing things that we love. Exactly. I've always felt that it's only good if you can share it, that it wasn't fun to be alone all the time, that other people are what I love most about life is being with other people to the point where I I want to have a little alone time. So I appreciate them even more. But somebody feed Phil doesn't just mean food. In fact, I think the food is secondary. I really do. And I hope that comes through because it's all about the connections we make with the people. Now you're talking about movie night. So I've implemented this in my life and I've been doing movie night since junior high. I swear to you. The story is, if if I got decent grades, meaning if I wasn't failing, because <laughs> I hated school. <laughs> and don't get me started on the Hebrew school, which was punishment. On the punishment. It's a punishment, yeah. Punishment. They would get a color TV, because we had only black and white. But, you know, we were living like animals, black and white television. I got an A in this subject in summer school, because that's how bad I was. I had to go to summer school an A in this subject and a B in this other subject, that they would get a color television. This was the motivation. This is probably the smartest thing they ever did. Color television and this new thing called HBO. Yes, I was I was around for the birth of HBO. That's how old. I, I was like, HBO, that's uncut, uncensored movies. When, you, when you're 15 and there's, there's no VCRs haven't been invented yet, there's no Netflix, there's nothing. The only way to see an R-rated movie for a 15-year-old, other than sneaking into the theater or having your parents take you, and they're not taking you, is this HBO. So I worked hard, and I got that A, and I got that B, and then I got HBO, and then I invited my other degenerate friends over because every Saturday night there was a new R-rated film on HBO and <laughs> PM. Come over. We're going to order pizza, and maybe we're going to see something. <laughs> and so we did. And that was the birth, I realized, of movie night because we did it every Saturday night through high school, through college. In college, I, I ran the program board film department at Hofstra University, which, which was I was in charge of ordering the movies that were going to be shown on campus. And there were four shows a weekend. And, you know, a lot of times I would see at least two or more of the showings of the movies. And I became this movie expert. And I loved it so much. Now you graduate. Now you're moving to Manhattan and a tiny little apartment. But here come VCRs. So now you can have the movies of your choice in your house. This, I know, sounds like nothing to young people, but this was everything. 
Yeah. Remember when you got your first VCR and the oh, yeah. buy movies or rent movies from from uh, Blockbuster or a place like that? It was everything. Sure. Plus HBO. It was like, wow, so much entertainment. And then <laughs> and I would have people over and order pizza. Cut to Hollywood, make a little money in television. The television gets bigger and bigger until we now have a dedicated digital cinema in our house and a wood-burning pizza oven in the kitchen. I wanted the experience to get better and better and better. I thought if you're going to do it, do it right. And it is a dedicated digital cinema. We upgrade it whenever new stuff comes along. So now it's a 4K theater. Most TVs are high def or 2K. This is twice the K, Ed. <laughs> so many Ks, yeah. So many Ks. So I don't know what to do with all the Ks. But I have it. And the other thing I have is this professional courtesy in the movie business where if you're in the business and you get approval from each studio, they will lend you movies the day they open. So we've had literal premieres in our house wow. with the filmmakers. Something that's really gone out of style is that you actually talk about the movie. You discuss it. Yeah. You have yeah. conversations about it. Yeah. When the, and on the rare occasion that the movie's terrible, you know, the evening doesn't last very long unless it gets really funny and, and everyone agrees. But I don't want to ruin anybody's time by saying, wow, that was terrible. You know, there was a movie once, Ed, where I walked out of my own house. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get out of here. I can't stand this anymore. I think it was the Scientology movie with uh, John Travolta, Battlestar something. Do you remember this movie? Oh, yeah, Battlefield Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Battlefield Earth was so bad that I just, after about a half an hour, I paused the movie. Everybody looked. What, what, what? I said, do we need to continue? Yeah, there's nothing worse than that. And I've seen some, some amazing movies in your house and some amazing people. And sometimes you don't know who these people are. They just look like people. And so there's a woman sitting next to me and I'm like, why is everybody talking to this woman and who, who is she? And I realize it's Rita Moreno. And we're watching West Side Story. And we're watching West Side Story. <laughs> and she's on the screen giving her Oscar winning performance. And she's a phenomenon in that movie. And then she goes to the front of our little room, about 25 of us maybe, and gives us a masterclass in what it was like to make West Side Story. I mean, it is the joy of my life. And boy, do I miss it. It's been how many months now, Ed? Too many. Everybody has struggles. Everybody has issues. But I swear to God, when I go into your house for movie night, there's like a paradise sort of feeling. It's like all of a sudden you're elevated to what you love and the people you want to be around. So it brings you into this world. And I know that this is what the aim is with Somebody Feed Phil. You're bringing people into this world, into these cultures. It's the feeling behind it. Sure, Italy is the most beautiful place in the world. But if you connect with the people there, then the food becomes more interesting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the idea is the world is gorgeous. The world is beautiful. And the people in it are mostly beautiful. There's enough negative crap out there. Let's celebrate everything that, that's great in life and have fun doing it. You know, there's a lot of, I found when we started, or when I even had the idea to do the show and was pitching the show, what was going to be the difference? My joke is, when I would pitch the show, I'm exactly like Anthony Bourdain if he was afraid of everything. 
The, the only thing that I could possibly bring to it was a sense of humor. This idea that as great as Bourdain was, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to Beirut to get shot at. I'm not going to have a, a tattoo impaled into my chest by by drunken tribesmen in Borneo. <laughs> uh, crazy talk. And I, I thought he's a superhero. I love him. I love watching him. I'm not doing that. So right. I thought maybe there could be a show for people who felt the same way and who could just be motivated, who, who their super adventure would be to just get off the couch, to just get a passport, to maybe go visit somewhere else or short of that, order from a restaurant that's not the hamburger or steak. Just expand the mind a tiny bit because that's where all the fun in life is. And it all comes from how you grew up and what made you feel good. Somehow, whatever else was going on in your life, you were connected to this channel that said it's good to feel good. I got it first from TV because I was a little nebbish kid and I was picked on a lot because I was, I was short, I was skinny, I was a weakling, and I was afraid. And, you know, I don't have to tell you, bullies pick up on this. <laughs> yeah. They get the message, right? It's a yeah. signal. And yeah. the only person I could take it out on was my little brother. And I did. And now yeah. I've tried to make it up to him by he's the producer of our show, by the way. He's completely unqualified, but I made him no, he's <laughs> I know you guys. He was a producer before uh we started, and I thought what a joy it would be to have literally my best friend do this show with me. Uh, we get to travel the world together. It's been, it's been absolutely wonderful. And my parents got such knockers from it. They really, to have their boys working together. My father used to say that all he wanted for his birthday was two nice boys because we fought all the time. <laughs> well, nowadays, when we have distancing and we have virtual stuff, are you virtually having lunch? Are you doing things like that? I do, yeah. It's, is it as fun? No. But I'm also, once a week, meeting people outside for lunch, safely. And I have my backyard, which uh, you can I come over it. and we can have a sandwich outside. Yeah. Look, at the, uh, look at the way restaurants, I'm so proud of the industry, how they've pivoted and made their side business, their main business. They're struggling like crazy. But the, the grit and the will and the determination to stay alive it's just so fantastic. I mean, I believe that the government should bail out the restaurant industry because they employ more people than any other industry in the country other than the government. And I would argue that restaurants, cafes, coffee shops, these are more important than the government. Yeah. They're little hubs of happiness. They really are. When you get off track, when you have emotions and thoughts and feelings and things that start to bring you down, what is it that you do? I immerse myself in escapism, and that's movies and TV, of course. I also try to create a world around me that's fun. So for me, in the limited capacity that I have now, that we all have with COVID and the air in California, I got my family around me. I've got my, my daughter who lives with us. She just graduated from USC this past semester. Her last semester was terrible because of the pandemic. So she moved back in with us, and she's been with us since. I love it. She's 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 uh, 23. Uh, my son, Ben, who you know, and his girlfriend live a mile away. They're super safe. They get tested every week. They come over, and we have dinner almost every night. I have a cousin from Atlanta 
who uh, in his late 20s and he lives nearby. He is very safe. He gets tested. And then my nephew, Jack, he didn't know what to do. He's younger than uh, Lily. He had He's only a sophomore in college. And he didn't want to have this experience of the, you know, stay at home college thing. He'd rather wait. So he took a gap year and we put him to work out here, helping us organize the house and everything with my son and our cousin. So I have this built in community of 20 somethings. And this may never happen again where the 20 somethings willingly want to be with us old people. There's a few basic things that you keep going back to. Even when you did Everybody Loves Raymond, I mean, the kind of writer's room you had was what you're talking about now. You're eating good food, you're telling stories, and you have community with funny people. And also, you were the kind of showrunner who believes that people should have a life while they're working in television. Well, if you're going to write about real life, you should have one. You used to tell writers... You know what's easier than making things up? Writing things down. Yes, writing things down is a lot easier than writing. So interesting. Jennifer is a child and family therapist who works with all kinds of people all over the world and teaches resilient skills. Oh, nice to meet you, Jennifer. Well, honestly, I've been smiling the whole time. It's just there's such joy when you talk about this that's just infectious, which is lovely. And and for me, my whole practice is about emotional nutrition. It's about connection and incredible chemicals like oxytocin and natural opiates and endorphins. These all flow because we're social beings. We are best when we're with our people and when we're meeting new people. Connection is what keeps us really sane. And we get busy and we get caught up in this crazy world and we think chasing things is so much is so important. And if there's been anything that's been positive about the pandemic is that it's caused people to be home with each other more and eating more meals. I've had so many kids that I work with say, I just, I love not being in the car all the time and having dinner with my family and having movie nights and things that got forgotten while everybody was running around in 50,000 directions. So that's what I'm hearing. And the other thing I'm hearing, Phil, is that you're so present. You're not at these things thinking, where do I have to go next? And this better be fast and I got to get somewhere. Like you're actually present in the moment, which is actually where happiness is. You know, it really is. And and we create our reality. We really do. What you think about, what you obsess about, what you ruminate about, what you watch, all of it is is reflected back in your own reality. It just is. So we have more control than we think. And, and you know, I think you can never control the conditions in life. You said something similar to this at the beginning, Phil, and it was really powerful. Um, but we can't control conditions, but we can always control our response to the conditions. And this is beautiful. This yes. is this is the greatest medicine there is. Love is the drug everyone needs. Yes. And I think one of the uh, engines for that is being grateful for what Absolutely. you have and recognizing how lucky yep. you are, how lucky you are to, to have things because there's many, many people who suffer and you're so blessed and lucky to have anything good, to have the family, to mm-hmm. have a good lunch, yeah. right? Uh, Warren Zevon was dying of cancer and he was on David Letterman one last time and both he and Letterman knew and the audience Mm -hmm. knew and they didn't make it a secret that this was going to be the last Mm -hmm. time and Letterman said to him do you have any advice for the people and he said enjoy every sandwich enjoy every sandwich I mean I get it yeah it doesn't need an explanation 
I get it. Well, you also said earlier, like, look for the good. And we talk about this all the time on our show, right? Yeah. It's always like every day in every moment, it depends what you're looking at. What are you focusing on? Where do you have that magnifying glass? Is it on everything that's not working and all the stuff you have to do and all the people you're mad at? Or do you take that magnifying glass and you turn it over to, I just had a beautiful lunch with my friends and I really like the taste of my coffee and you know the sun is beautiful. It doesn't matter how small resonating with joy. And and that's the other thing that I was thinking, Phil, while we were talking is when we are with people and we're enjoying each other, there's a resonance. There's an attunement. We start to tune into each other in those moments. And that's very healing. It, it really is. It really is medicine. The one thing we haven't spoken about, with, which is a daily thing for me, is some form of mm-hmm. exercise, some form of physical activity. And it can be just a walk. It can even be a walk on the elliptical trainer since we, I can't go outside that much because of the air. Uh, so I go on the elliptical and I either take a phone call or I'll, I'll watch a show that I saved up on the DVR. You know, you're doing something. And a lot of it is more strenuous than that. I do lift weights and I do cardio. And I, I mean, it starts at a half hour. Just walk a sure. half hour. It doesn't even have to all at once. But we sit way too much. This has a an absolute effect on our mental health. Yeah, it does. You have to not just sit there and eat potato chips and and be on the internet. Yeah. Right. And you know, it, it's an act of love to, for yourself when you do something like that. It's taking time and taking that effort and putting it into yourself, which so many of us don't do. But it, and in terms of mental health, anxiety, depression, it's as effective, honestly, as as medication. It's really, really important part of of what you're doing to help yourself feel better. I think it has saved me from depression. I think it saved me from feeling bad about life and and in times of stress because I get it just like everybody else at at moments, maybe not as much anymore, but it's because I've sought out help and I've sought out ways and, and done research for how to make yourself better. And we all have the power. And didn't you start a meditation practice a while back? Yes, and I should, I should, uh, I've been a little lax about it because we have a dog. We have, a, we got a new dog, oh. and we got it. We got a 10 week old rescue nice. the day we went into lockdown. It's just funny how it worked wow. out that way. It was big anniversary vacation, and we had to cancel it, of course. We thought, you know, our, our other dog had passed away a few months earlier. Why don't we get a dog? Because who knows how long this will last. This might be a very good time to get a dog and have time to train it. And so we did. And it turned out that the dog saved us because the dog is so all-consuming. <laughs> Not just the time you have to devote to training, but the bonding is so beautiful and lovely. And he's so, just a, a bundle of of love, actually. Of oxytocin, actually, yeah. that beautiful hormone, right? That that strengthens the immune system, blocks cortisol, all those good things, right? You get with an animal. And puppies, dogs are so in the moment. Yeah. We should all just be like dogs. I agree. They're just in the moment. They don't worry when their food's coming. They don't worry if they're going to have a roof over their head. They're just, I, I love you. Like, they're, they just, they're in that moment all the time. We love him so much. He's beautiful awesome. to look at. We just, oh, look, he's a work of art. And then he's so cuddly and great and licks your face. And then he's <laughs> just so sweet and wants to play. And he's mischievous too. And that's funny. Everything, we love everything about this dog, Murray. 
And <laughs> Murray, <laughs> Murray, Murray, that's awesome. other people love him too. I, 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 I thought it was cute, so I put him on Instagram, and now I have the daily Murray, and and I can't miss a day. People, he he's getting more likes than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the daily Murray is like the best title for anything I've ever heard. Oh, I love it. We all need that daily. Just check in with something cute and great and sweet. So that's why I do it for me. I realize sometimes at the end of the day, oh, I didn't take a picture. Murray, come here. I need a picture. Be cute, cute person. <laughs> Murray, I need a picture. That's great. Yeah. And Murray now understands and poses, I'm sure. He knows how to do it now. I want to talk about Everybody Loves Raymond. I want to talk about the characters in that show. You know, when I think about it, they exhibit a lot of the behavior that causes people a lot of problems in their emotional health. But they are together. They are around each other. Yep. They are a community. Yep. They love each other. They care about each other with all the entertaining craziness in the behavior that's so like, don't do this, don't try this at home behavior. They're together and they're exhibiting a lot of the things that people need to live. Uh, agree. When, you know, it's funny when we, when we were kids, we'd watch the Brady Bunch, right? And I'm living in a home with a, a, a lot of laughs, but a lot of yelling too. You know, we were either laughing or yelling in my house, right? You'd watch a Brady Bunch or a Partridge family and you see these families and they're not, they weren't conventional, right? The, the Partridge family was, uh, uh, didn't have a dad. The Brady Bunch had a, they were both a widow and widower finding their right. family. It wasn't like our family, but I couldn't believe how loving, I never saw this before. I never had this guy love you all the time and hugging and we'd learn something every week. And it's a, it's like a fantasy. Right. And, and we kind of watched it as, oh, I wish I was that. But you know what? Sad. People would watch Raymond. And that, yes, they're more like my family, right? Or Ray's family or the writer's families. That's where we were drawing all our stuff from. And they're yelling in this conflict every show. Like, you drive me crazy. Don't you know that people loved it because they were just together? Yeah. That's the new I love you, just being together, right? Every single day they're complaining that Frank and Marie are across the street. Yes. But they're across the street and they come in every of day. Of course. And as frustrated as the as Deborah, Ray's wife, would get with Ray's mother, she always tried to, we had many episodes where she was trying to do something nice for her because she wanted her life to be better. On some level, she understood where she was coming from, right? That yeah. she wasn't really... As frustrating as she was, she was actually trying to help in her she, in her terrible way, mm-hmm. but, right. but trying to help. Uh, you know, I like the complexity of that, that yeah. we can really not like somebody, but still want to help them. That's important. And that's so real, right? People are messy. Yeah. People are complicated. That's right. There's layers. Right. Yeah. These moments on the, on the show, there were so many of them, but the lemon chicken and the remembering how we met and then the camera pulling back. That's one of the greatest moments in television. And it's great because you had the restraint to not put anything on top of it, to just let it sit and let it be there. That's hard to do. So hats off to to you for creating those amazing Mm -hmm. moments. Yeah. Really such a happy time. And I look at, uh, watched the Emmys last night. I I looked at Chits Creek win everything. I was so happy for them because that... Uh, you know, as much as they fight and argue and are frustrated, that show is all about love. 
beautifully done. And how great it must be for Gene Levy to have his son and to be able to do that together. That's like a dream come true. These are great people. Absolutely. It has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad to hear you again. I'm so glad to talk to you again. If you haven't seen somebody feed Phil, you really are going to love it. You're in for a treat. You're in for the kind of feeling that he's talking about with sitting and being together and eating lunch and eating dinner and having food and having community. What makes people connect to each other? And they connect over food. They connect over travel. The filmmaking in this show, it, it is as beautiful as any film that's ever been made. And it's a television oh, series. Beautiful cameras. 4K. That's twice the K. Yeah. <laughs> twice the K. <laughs> I always say, I always say uh, uh, that food is the great connector. And for me, laughs are the cement. We shot it before COVID. We got it in just under oh, the way. Nice. And uh, there's a fourth season on the way. Uh, it's already waiting for Netflix to drop it. They don't like to, they like to surprise you like I'm Beyonce dropping an album. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to drop. It's great. I'm really looking forward to that. The episode, the way you connect with people and the way you really get a kick out of people and you're really appreciating them, that's something that's very interesting because you're being yourself in front of the camera. But it's a very challenging thing to do to bring all of the different parts of yourself and put them in front of a camera and not change them for the camera. You got to forget the camera. And the truth is, a lot of reality television, which I guess this is the category I would fall into because it's real, it's probably less scripted than a lot of the quote unquote reality shows. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't exist. Those shows wouldn't exist or be popular if people didn't forget about the camera. You have to. You got to let right. your guard down. And you do because, quite frankly, you get used to it being there. By the way, we're doing it now. We're being recorded. Right. If we stopped yeah. a second to say, oh, this is being recorded, we'd go crazy. We'd be, we wouldn't be able to have a conversation. That's right. And this is being recorded by the Russian government. <laughs> yeah. So I hope they're enjoying it. You ever talk about something like a product? Oh, I like those potato chips. Those are good. And then you're, you're scrolling on your phone and all of a sudden you're seeing ads for potato chips. It's, it's a little <laughs> yeah, yeah. somebody's <laughs> listening and you think it's a coincidence but i'm telling you people just start taking notice how often this happens people now have a relationship with alexa and they now have to th have to be in therapy because of what alexa is saying back to them <laughs> <laughs> you know i miss you and i'm so glad to talk to you again i want you to give my love to monica and the kids and uh i hope to see you at movie night very soon I can't wait, and you can bring Jennifer. She seems very nice. I would love that. I want people to know this. Yes, it's terrible right now. Yes, we're suffering. Yes, you may be sick. You may have lost people. You may not be well yourself. Whatever it is, just know that we will get through this, and we will have a vaccine. It may not be as soon as we like. I'm certainly not taking the first one that these Fakakta people uh, <laughs> recommend because they might have ulterior motive. And, you know, I don't even update my phone until I see what happens to everybody. Else. Yeah. But a vaccine is coming and it's going to work and we're going to survive this. Why? Because it's happened every other time. That's why I'm confident. Right. It's happened every other time. It's just not going to be as fast as we want. Plan your trip. Have something to look forward to in life because life is going to be returned to us. What a great message. And you don't hear this in the media. You don't hear this because no. there's no there's no spin on it. it. It's basically the truth. It has happened before and we've gotten through it and we will get through it exactly. again. In the meantime, 
have some lunch. Have some have lunch. some lunch. And one other thing in the meantime, yeah, vote and vote. Yeah, yes. have some lunch and vote. vote. Whatever you do, get out the vote. You know, this is what we claim in this country. What's one of the things that's great about America is that we we get to vote, we get to choose. And even if you don't believe that the system works, you have to get out there and you have to vote. You have to be heard. You have to take part in it because that is why we have the leadership that we have, because more people don't take part in it. Let's build the country. We have an opportunity to do that November 3rd and before November 3rd, because you can mail in, or if you don't trust the mail, you can walk it in, but get your vote in there. It's such a pleasure, Phil. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Ed. Love talking to it's you. It's a pleasure. And I hope to talk to you again soon, okay? Can't wait. Come over for lunch. I will. <laughs> okay. Thanks to Phil Rosenthal. So great. Thank you, Jennifer, so much for being part of this and for everything that you do. Find us everywhere where you can find your podcast. Subscribe. Go to makelightmedia.com and look for Jennifer at connectedparenting.com. I'm Ed Krasnick. Keep coming back at Works if you work it, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.